Hey friend, I just want to take a quick moment to let you know about something we offer here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Now listen, Nothing Is Wasted is not just this podcast that you've been enjoying, full of stories of hope and healing in the midst of difficult and painful valleys. We're also a ministry with unending resources that can help you move forward on your healing journey from whatever pain you've experienced in life. We've got the Pain to Purpose course, masterclasses, curated pathways around specific pain points, an online community, and so much more. But if you're just getting started on the path of healing and you're interested in learning more about how you can even begin to untangle your pain, I want to invite you to our free live five steps to taking back your story Zoom call. I'll be there live and I'll just be sharing some practical steps that you can take right here, right now to move from the hurt and trauma you've walked through and into deeper healing. You and I will be able to engage with each other. You'll be able to ask questions and learn what it looks like to start taking back your story. Now it's completely free, but it may just be the step that God uses to begin in you a journey of deeper hope and healing, no matter what you faced. All you got to do is sign up at nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here and join me as a first step to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. Now, listen, there is very real pain and loss that is threatening to keep you discouraged and despairing, but it doesn't have to be that way. Let me give you some practical hope that I've learned in my own pain and suffering after losing my wife, Amanda, in 2015. I found that the only way out of despair is going right through it, and life is too short to stay in your pain. We don't want to waste this. So I want to invite you to join me for our next free live Zoom call by signing up at nothingiswasted.com slash start here and let the healing journey begin in your life. Nothingiswasted.com slash start Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn. And I am your other host, Aubrey Sampson. We have another incredible conversation with you. Today, we are joined by Laura Whiffler. And if, you, if you're a regular listener, you might remember about a month ago, we had a woman named Emily Jensen on. They are actually co-authors. So this is really fun. Laura mm-hmm. Whiffler is um, uh, the the run like she's the executive director. I think is her actual title of a ministry that she co-founded called Risen Motherhood. She's yeah. got several books. Risen Motherhood being one of them. That's the one she co-authored with Emily. She has another book coming out very soon called A World Wonder, and her story is about parenting a child with special needs and really how God yeah. has revealed the good news of the gospel to her through that. And I, I for one, am very excited about this conversation. Yeah, I am too. We have some friends who have um, they've been on a journey with a special needs child, and and I mean for a decade mm, now, you know? And yeah. so I was actually, we were talking with them the other day and they were like, man, you know, can you point us to some episodes that you have on parenting children with special needs? And I didn't have, we didn't have a whole lot of episodes. Mm. And so I'm so glad that recently we've been able to yeah. have conversations yeah. with people who are journeying that yeah. so that people like you guys who are listening to this, and that is your particular journey as well, that you can derive a lot of hope and encouragement through the whole thing and solidarity. That's right. It's always good to know that there are other people. I think first Peter five says this, Aubrey, and I think it's really important to remember because the enemy tries to get us to feel like we're the only ones experiencing what we're experiencing. But first Peter five says, 
let us not forget that there are saints all over the world who are suffering in the same mm. way. Which is not like, you don't want to be like, oh, that's so that's such awesome news that saints around the world are suffering. But it is so encouraging to know, oh, it's not just, yes. it's not just me. And that's a lie from the enemy. Yeah. I'm not alone. Other sufferers are going through this and God is with all of us, giving us the strength to carry through. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's why we've established nothing as wasted ministries. I mean, we right. want first and foremost, for you to realize that God is in your pain and he's in your story and he's leading and guiding you. And often Mm -hmm. the way he does that is through other people and their stories. Mm -hmm. And so we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So um, that's that's why we're here. And that's why we're so glad that you're here with us as well. If you're looking to get started in a next step, if you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I start my healing journey? How do I get more connected with the resources that Nothing Is Wasted provides? I'd love to invite you to join me on a Zoom call that I do at least once a month. Um, It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story No Matter What You've Gone Through. And it is a live Zoom call. So we interact. There's a Q&A portion at the end. It's a really sacred time of, of just ministering. You don't have to have your camera on. You can be completely anonymous if you want to and just listen to the teaching portion. But to register for the next one, it's uh, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. You can click the link in the show notes or right below this YouTube video if you're consuming this on YouTube. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. This is Eric taking this conversation as well. Awesome. Um, and so we get to have all of us kind of a part of this episode where Eric is going to be interviewing Laura Wiffler. So go ahead and take a listen to Eric's conversation with Laura Wiffler. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I am your host for today, Eric Shoemaker. And uh, if you want to hear more from me, um, I guess you can find me on social media at all the places at EM Shoemaker, uh, which is not spelled like it sounds. It's spelled Schumacher, uh, my lifelong struggle. Uh, but I would love to connect with you there. But I'm even more excited to to connect you today with my friend, uh, Laura Wiffler, uh, who you just heard all about. Um, she is an author, a podcaster. Uh, I think it's, is it fair to say Laura, a businesswoman? Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, she's a writing coach and, uh, a poet, uh, a mom, a wife, all sorts of things. And, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of amazed, um, of all the things God is doing in and through her. And I just love watching it. It's fun to watch. Uh, Laura is a friend. We live near each other. And so um, I've, I've been able to watch uh, as you and Emily started Risen Motherhood um, and just seeing all that explode. And so I'm just so proud of you for all the things God is doing in and through you, Laura. And thanks for being with us today. Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me. This is so fun to be able to take sometimes the conversations that we have in real life to a public medium. So this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can, we can do that well today. So Laura, for those who don't have the privilege of knowing you, could you let our audience just sort of know who you are, what you're doing now, a little bit about your family, maybe? Yeah, you bet. I, I feel like I dabble in a lot of little things and I, I'm not an expert in anything, but I know enough about a lot of little things to be kind of dangerous in them. So uh, sometimes it's hard to know even how to synthesize all that I do. But um, most importantly, I'm a wife and mom to three kids. I live here in central Iowa. Like Eric said, we're in the same town, which is so fun. 
And um, outside of my role as a mom, which is I'm, I am the primary caretaker of my kids. I love being available for them. Um, I have the privilege of being able to run a nonprofit ministry called Risen Motherhood. That ministry really just helps moms connect their faith to their motherhood. That's the whole goal. So we do that through podcasts and articles and social media and free resources. Everything's free, which is such a joy to be able to offer um, everything to moms at no cost to them. And that ministry started, oh goodness, maybe seven or eight years ago. Now I can't hmm. completely remember the timestamp. I would, I, one time I wrote down a timeline so that I could remember <laughs> But that being said, um, I do Risen Motherhood. And then I also write poetry on my personal Instagram and my personal site at laurawiffler.com. Um, that has been kind of a new endeavor in the last couple of years, yeah. a type of writing that uh, once I found, I realized this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Mm. Um, then I also have the privilege of being an author that came much through Risen Motherhood. So we uh, were able to write a trade book for moms. I co-wrote that with my co-founder, Emily Jensen. And then I get to write for kids. And that mm-hmm. is, I mean, adults are cool, but I'm telling you, Eric, kids are where it is at. They are so much fun to write for. They're the best audience. Read alouds are incredible. So um, I have three books for kids right now that are out and hopefully more to come. And then lastly, I help coach people in writing their kids' books because mm. it's so much fun. Um, I have the Kidlet Lab where I work with small groups of people to write and work on the manu- their manuscripts for their children's books. So yeah. lots of different things. I love how you said that, you, you know, just enough to be dangerous in several areas, <laughs> which you're underselling yourself. I I was able to be on the board of directors for Risen Motherhood that first year or two, and you came prepared. Like, <laughs> I could tell you knew what you were doing, and if you didn't, you had the experts in the room, and uh, and you work hard to serve people really well. And uh, and I can tell that with Kids Lit Lab. So if there's people out there listening, and they're like, I've always wanted to write a kid's book, uh, Laura's going to be worth it. She's going to be worth it to uh, sign up there. And I hope one day to sign up for that and try my hand at a children's book one oh, yeah. day. I want to do it. I want to do it. You know, I, I think with writing like kids books is a little bit like kids ministry. Like, I feel like it's the toughest yes, because yes. you have to take big ideas and connect them with little minds and little sh- short attention spans. Yeah. Um, but when I say little minds, I don't undersell them because they're really perceptive and oh, yeah. they notice okay. all the things. Yeah. And so, um, it's sort of an unforgiving ministry, uh, <laughs> though, though kids will put up a lot. They don't expect total perfection, but it's hard. Like yeah. it's, it's genuinely hard. I often compare it to abstract art because for writing for kids, because you look at that in the museum and you're like, what the heck? I can do that, you know, with my eyes closed. And then you go and if you've ever tried to attempt your hand at it, for some reason, there is something wrong with anything that you create, yeah. even if it's just splattering a paintbrush. <laughs> and I think that's what a lot of people think with Kill It. They're like, oh, I can do this. And I think there are so many great ideas out there, but it, you do need tools and strategies. And there are a lot of tips that people don't realize to help you write a compelling yeah. story. And we, you want to write one that kids want to read again and again and again. You don't want to just write something that they're like, okay, and you know, toss it away. So, um, yeah. But there's, there's definitely, it's hard. It's harder than it looks to write kid, kid lit, but it's also yeah. um, not impossible. You know, there's, yeah. there's tools. That, that just reminds me of the local church. You know, people talk all the time about whatever preaching ministry they have at their church, but like, if your children's ministry is good 
like that's where the hard work is being yeah. done. Like anybody can figure out how to interpret a Bible passage, put together a message, and stand up. Like, no, if that is you, <laughs> okay, you can call me on that. <laughs> but I, the people who go into the children's ministry every week, yes. prepared to teach kids, are heroes in the local church. Heroes. The endurance that I think it must oh, take. Yeah. I mean, to prepare, but then also like those two hours are exhausting. Anytime I'm in those rooms, I'm just like, I come out and I'm like, I got to go recover for a week. You yes. Know? <laughs> yes. So yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah. And I'm sure we could talk forever about people we know who do that and do that really yeah. well, but that is, that's incredible work. And I, and I think, I think it's probably a little bit like everything that uh, whether it's life or writing or parenting, like on the outside, it looks simple. Like who are these people that can't figure this out? And then you go and try your hand at it, like abstract painting. And you're like, I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so, well, before we get further there, um, tell us a little bit about your uh, pain to purpose story. Um, I know there's a lot in there and whatever you're comfortable sharing, uh, go ahead and share and we'll dig in. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm sure every person has a variety of points of their life where they could share on the podcast. But as I was thinking about this, I think the the big thing that often comes to mind, at least in recent years, is really when the Ministry of Risen Motherhood was somewhat being concepted and workshopped and coming to fruition and growing into what it is. Um, there was a season just in my early 30s where I had recently moved to um, the Chicago suburbs and just moved away from any existing community. There was no family there. Uh, I had two little kids at the time and had a third soon after. And it was just a big transition in my life where I felt like for a few years, um, it was just one thing after another. You know, mm. it was just a lot of hard things and also a lot of good things. I I think sometimes that's the way it happens too, isn't it? Where you have these seasons of deep grief and then these odd kind of strange um, high joys at the same Mm -hmm. time. And I I found as I look back at that season, that both of those things, the high joys of the birth of my daughter or the growth of risen motherhood, um, they, they all contributed to, um, the way that I felt and the way that I was dealing with some of the hardship as well mm. as going on that season. And to be maybe more specific about that, I think um, the biggest thing, and, and I talk about this a lot online, so people may even know this story, but my youngest daughter, my third daughter, Eden, was born with a disability. Um, it's called rare chromosome disease. And essentially, she's the only one in the world with what she has. Um, so there was really no roadmap and when she was diagnosed, the doctors told us, hey, she's, she's probably never going to walk. She's probably never going to talk. So be prepared for that. Mm. And as you can imagine, as a parent, that's kind of some of the worst news that you can no. really receive. It's incredibly painful. Um, and that set us down a path of what I like to call discovering Eden and understanding what she can and can't mm. do. And also discovering the many forms of grief mm. um, and just realizing how grief is something that sort of unravels before you, especially when you're talking about a grief like disability that I think is is somewhat unique compared to like a death um, where there's a finality to it. You know, a death is now I need to learn how to move on in light of what's happened. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change. That's Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with that. But in disabilities, it's unique in the sense that you, um, 
you don't know what you need to grieve. Mm-hmm. And so often you find yourself grieving things that aren't even reality yet. And so you have to step back and say, okay, I don't, I don't have to grieve that because that's not true yet, even though I'm afraid of that. And so you're constantly finding new things to grieve, but then you're also discovering new things to be grateful for and yeah. ways that, that they surpass your expectations. Because for me, at least the way I dealt with it was set my expectations very low. So mm-hmm. that I wasn't disappointed. Um, so that was a season that happened and around the same time, not to keep going on, but my husband broke his leg pretty bad, um, big surgery, long rehab. I mean, this isn't just a minor break. It was massive. And um, so he was in a, in a wheelchair for a time and then he um, eventually crutches and all those things, but really couldn't help me with my daughter. And we were very isolated. Mm. Mentioned new church family that honestly rose to the occasion, but um, it was a really lost season for me. Mm. And about a year later, I started um, just doubting God. I had kind of the first the first time in my life I questioned my faith, which I had been a, a believer for over 30 years. Um, and I just found some some thoughts start passing of, is God even real? You know, n- not necessarily yep. is He good. I kind of skipped a lot of those things because my theology could um, my theology could explain a lot of those type of things for me. I was pretty prepared theologically for disabilities or things like that. Like I, I had a yeah. theology of suffering. So I went to the next step, which is, well, can he even exist? And so, mm. I don't know, we can dabble in all of that. And we can talk about the highs. I don't want to go on forever, but um, there was just a lot of things. My life becoming more public with risen motherhood, you know, there's yeah. a lot. that Yeah. Yeah. And that public just, that happened pretty quick too with risen yeah. motherhood. Yeah. It and, did. and everybody yeah. online, when you're public online, everybody loves you and it's always compliments and applause, right? <laughs> always. Yeah, never a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that has to come with uh, all sorts of surprises, uh, as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank, thanks for sharing that. That's a lot to navigate in a fairly short season. Yeah. It was about six months. We ended up moving. We lived temporarily <laughs> with my parents. We built a house. I mean, I feel like I could go on. We had three funerals, close, close, dear people to us pass. Um, all in it's six months. It was wow. just, it, I wasn't Job. I would never compare myself to Job, but I was like, okay, it's the first moment I've kind of identified with him. I was feeling like the Lord is just stripping everything away. You know? mm, mm. Yeah, I would love to do a full episode on every element of that story, but... <laughs> Um, this isn't my podcast, you know, I'm just a host here. So I'd have to, I'd have to start a whole new mini series podcast of Laura Whiffler. Well, I would, I think I would enjoy the conversation and, uh, um, but, but anyway, well, let's, let's start with, um, maybe, maybe your story with Eden and becoming a, a parent of a child with disabilities. And I think one of the things that you have done well is you've, you've helped us as a church um, step into those conversations. Uh, you, you probably, I mean, obviously you didn't know what you didn't know going into it. And so there's a steep learning curve. And what I think you've done well is you've, you've learned from your own learning curve and you've been able to publicly help us learn how to think and speak and feel about all those things. Um, and so conversations that have kind of been on maybe the periphery, uh, you've, you've been one of many people who've helped, I think, bring those to the center and, and help us to understand because it's not just their story. You know, those people who either have disabilities or have children with disabilities, it's, 
in the body of Christ, it's the story of all of us, uh, whether it's in our, 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 our physical home or not, uh, because we love our neighbors and we're called to do that. Why do you, why do you think it's so important to talk about parenting and disability, um, and the worth and value of those who are disabled? Mm. Oh, I love, I love this question. I love getting the chance to talk about it because, you know, before I became a mom, to my daughter with disabilities, I didn't know a lot. Um, as I look back over my life, I actually have a lot of relationships with people who have disabilities. So that was kind of a, a weird theme. You know how when you look mm. back, oh, that's all that foreshadowing the Lord gave yes. me. Um, and and yet I didn't, I wasn't educated on it. I didn't know how to speak about it. And so I want to start mm. by just saying I have so much compassion for anyone who's like, oh, I don't know what to say and I don't know how to talk about it, or maybe even feeling like they don't have much relationship with people. So, like you said, why does it matter? But ultimately, we all at some point will interact with someone with disabilities. And, you know, as I see my parents aging and other people aging, I see disabilities affecting my life with people who prior didn't have any disabilities. You know, things change. And so um, you can kind of look at it from both sides of like both our children, but also sometimes that, that next generation ahead of us, they're also dealing with disabilities. And so I think it's really important to teach children about this topic Number one, because it's something that they will see. They mm-hmm. will see at the grocery store. Even if mm-hmm. you're they're going to see someone. They're going to see someone hopefully at church. They're going to see kids. If they go to public school, they're probably going to see a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. It's great to lay some foundational truths about disabilities so that your child can go in and can know, hey, what's true about this child? And so many of the truths that are built for someone with disabilities are the same truths that mm-hmm. we need to know for those of us that are able-bodied. Things like we're made in the Imago Dei, that the fall affects us all, that God is still good, that we have an eternal hope in heaven someday and we'll all be healed. So those truths that we could teach around disabilities are truths that that child also needs to know, know just for their own heart. And I think as we start to get them into our kiddos' hearts what happens then is that they begin to operate from a place of knowing their identity and knowing that they're loved, that their identity mm. is built on their resume, on their accolades, on their abilities. Their identity is built on Jesus Christ, and it's unchanging. He declares them worthy. He declares them valuable. He declares them full of dignity. And so when we begin and our children begin to operate out of that place, then they're able to offer it to others. And mm. then they can be that child that goes out to a kiddo with disabilities who is behaving in an uncomfortable way or a different way. And they can say, my value isn't based on if I'm hanging with the cool kids, mm-hmm. you know, my value is secure. And so now I can go out and I can show mm-hmm. another kid love, even if I'm uncomfortable, even if it's kind of weird, even mm-hmm. if I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and I think that that is just like, I don't know, when I finally started to learn that, get that under my skin, it changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And it started making me a lot less judgmental, a lot less self-centered, a lot more humble, um, because you can lose yourself because you know yeah. everything you need in Christ. Mm, that that is that is beautiful, and I, I love what you just said about how the messages that uh, those with disabilities need to hear are the same messages we need to hear because. The truth of it is, if we're living on this side of the fall, we're all disabled. We're, we're all living in a world with decaying bodies impacted by the fall. It's simply a matter of degree in different areas. And and that's like that in not just in physical areas, but in any, any area of life. Um, and sometimes 
the situations where the degree is further um, help us to really focus in on certain truths yeah. that we wouldn't grasp otherwise. Um, tell me a little bit about your book, uh, Like Me, uh, a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. Why'd you write that? Sure. Yes. Um, yeah. Like Me is a book for kiddos that is really designed to explain some of those foundational truths that we just mentioned, um, particularly emphasizing that everyone is made in the image of God. Mm. And I wrote that story just out of my own story. It was a kind of a cold January afternoon and in the book, it's a, you know, it's a snowy book. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a winter book and the kids are sledding and they come inside and read by the fire and have cocoa. And I kid you not, that's what, you know, happened that day. That's what happens a lot of times in our own home. And, um, you even see in, you follow this child with disabilities and they go to therapy and, um, you know, there's some conflict in the home and there, it talks a lot just about what life is like with, a child with disabilities for a family with a child with disabilities in it. Mm -hmm. The hope was really to bring um, just comfort to kiddos who have maybe a sibling with disabilities. I know for my other kids, it was really nice for them to see themselves in a book, but more so to help families who maybe don't have a connection with children mm -hmm. with disabilities. You know, maybe that is where, okay, I only see this at the grocery store. I only see this at church. And I wanted to create a tool that parents could use as a springboard to be able to talk about disabilities. So it's a cozy read. It's something that I want families to just enjoy reading again and again, but also it's a read that I think has a lot of deep truths that mm -hmm. can lead to incredibly deep conversations for a family about the topic of disabilities. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is Tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. 
We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. I I love that, though, what you said about families who don't have disability in their home, to be able to see that and have those conversations. Because, you know, I remember I grew up watching Sesame Street, and I remember almost every episode you'd see a child with Down syndrome, and there were uh, a number of different characters or children, uh, you know, human actors on the show that had disabilities, and it became normal for me to see. Mm -hmm. And then I I had a mom who... um, was always on the lookout for saying hi to people that might be on the fringes, you know, and, and talking to us then about how to act and how to think about people as people who are made in the image of God and, um, and have value and worth. And those conversations I think make a huge difference in our kids' lives, uh, as they grow up. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for writing, writing that book. Um, one of the things that I think has been at the center of your ministry has, you know, with Risen Motherhood, um, is keeping the gospel at the center of all things. Uh, I want to ask you to do two things. Is first of all, would you just explain for our listeners what the gospel is? And then why is it important for it to be at the center of all of our conversations? Mm. You bet. Yeah. So the gospel is really the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's just the story that we find in scripture. It's the story of a God who made human beings out of love. He made this world and yet the humans disobeyed. And, um, you know, the classic story of Adam and Eve taking a bite of the fruit um, and they were cast out of the garden. And so we had the fall, which caused both, um, both humanity's sin was revealed and then also just painful effects of the fall, like disability. You know, a lot of times disability isn't caused because of someone's sin. It's just a reality of the fall. And from that, though, we know that there was hope. Hope came in the form of Jesus Christ, Mm. who came as a baby, and He died on the cross for our sins um, to redeem us, to rescue us. He ascended into heaven, and um, He someday is coming back for us. He's going to return and sweep us up with Him in Mm. heaven, where there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. And we'll all be healed. So it's just that story of the gospel of understanding um, why the world is like it is. And this is this maybe leads into your second question of, hey, why is it important to understand the gospel and infuse it into our lives? I think one of the big things for me as a believer has been to understand why the world is like it is. Mm-hmm. And one of my questions, you know, especially after my daughter was diagnosed, is why? You know, and mm-hmm. um, what's my hope? And you know what what do I have to look forward to? Or like, how is this going to change? And how am I going to make it? And so understanding the gospel and just this um, this grand story that we're all caught up in, that we're all smaller actors in, that has really helped give me, if not a satisfactory reason why, I would say, I don't know that I can tell you right now, you know, straight to your face, like, oh, I'm totally satisfied. Yeah, But it does offer an explanation and it does offer 
this and this I'm satisfied in is ultimate hope. Mm-hmm. And hope that you're not going to find in any other religion, yep. in any other place, that Christianity is that the only place where you are going to find the hope of the gospel, where we are going to heaven. We are spending eternity with our God. We are going to be fully healed. I mean, that is an incredible truth. And when we operate out of understanding that, okay, I know that hard things are going to happen. I know that it's not necessarily always because of what I've done or Mm -hmm. something sinful that happened. It can be. The effects Mm -hmm. of sin can be negative, but it's not always that way. Well, that helps me understand like, okay, I didn't do anything wrong and mess up here. But then also it shows us that we have a hope both today because Jesus Christ, if, if he is in you, if he's working in your heart, then you can have you can have joy, you can have peace, you can have patience. Yeah. You know, all that he has as you interact with your family, as you interact with others, it absolutely transforms the way you deal with pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And then you have that hope today, and then you also have that hope to look forward to someday in mm-hmm. the future. This life isn't all there is. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mm-hmm. get it all now. This isn't you don't have to collect everything up and go for yeah. your best life now. That's not what we're going for as relief to be like, I don't have to have my best life now, you know, Yeah, my best life someday. It's kind of like, I often think with belie- as believers, we live twice, you yeah. know, we have this life on earth and it, it continues on in heaven and it's, that's going to be our best life. So I'm yes. coming, I'm running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I loved what you said about that, about, um, we don't have to collect all the things, you know, uh, we have yeah. a, we have a better life ahead of us. So talk to me a little bit about your forthcoming children's book releasing in March of this year, uh, a world, a world wonder, uh, what's it about and why did you write it? And does it connect to any of what you just shared? (laughs) Oh, probably all connects. Yes. Um, a world wonder you're right is a story about a little girl named Cora. And it's a little bit of a biography of myself. I'll be honest. And Cora rhymes with Laura. But yes, indeed it does. Um, but she's a spunky little girl and throughout the book, honestly, Cora is just this big dreamer, big aspirations. And she ends up accomplishing a lot as she grows up, but ultimately she never finds satisfaction. So just Mm. like, you're right. What we were talking about of she's trying to kind of collect it all here. Mm -hmm. And eventually circumstances lead her to move back home to her original hometown. And, um, that the people of that small town teach her what the real meaning of life is and that it's about community and loving others and sharing your gifts with others. So it's, it's a mass market book. It's not uh-huh. an explicitly Christian book. Um, so I always feel like I need to warn um, some audience, certain audiences about that. But my hope and prayer with that book is to sort of teach virtue mm-hmm. and um, that it would be a book that many families would pick up from all walks of life. And that not only would they hopefully see um, just a very Christian message, even yeah. if it's not wrapped in all the trappings, and then also that maybe they would find my backlist. And mm-hmm. if they like that book enough, that they would go and see some of the other books that I've written that are more explicit with the gospel, yeah. um, especially my very first book has the gospel fully written in it. And um, perhaps then they would discover God. So. Yeah. Um, that's the heartbeat behind the book. And it's been very fun to try my hand at kind of a different style of kids. Yeah. Well, it's really well done. And I think it's, I love that you made that move of a mass market children's book because reading it as a Christian, it's really not very difficult to connect it to the gospel and, and the, and the message of, of Jesus Christ. Um, but also at the same time, like I would love the mom who's struggling out there 
to read that book to her kid and be like, what other, what other books has she written and find yeah. risen motherhood? Yeah. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, uh, and so, you know, this, this gospel centeredness thing, um, you've done really well, uh, in, in many areas, but probably one of the first that's been public is risen motherhood, mm-hmm. uh, where you have, you and Emily have really intentionally connected the message of the gospel to almost any aspect of being a mom <laughs> that you can think of. Yeah. As long as you've been doing it, you've had to, you've had to think through a lot of them, <laughs> find yeah. new material. Uh, but you've done that really well. But one of the things I, I really appreciate, and it just came out in something that you said, was, you know, it, it could be really easy for someone to explain the gospel and do the whole, uh, what's the gospel hymn say? And now I am happy all the day. Like, yeah. I found Jesus. If I just have enough faith, if I just embrace the gospel, then life is just easy and good, no matter how hard it is. And and you you admitted there, I think what, if we're honest, we all would admit is, am I perfectly satisfied right now? Like, we we continue to be fallen sinners, even after we come to faith, and we're never perfectly satisfied in Christ, and we still struggle with all of that. And and just like with disability, you know, I think there's there's a value to putting it on display and some to be seen because then others know they're not alone. And you've been willing to speak about um, your own doubt and those questions. And first of all, just thank you for that because you're not alone. And, um, and there's something comforting about being able to hear somebody else say that and go, Oh, okay. It's not because I'm a terrible Christian and I'm completely (laughs) failing at this. So if if you if you'd want to, can you say any more about your uh, either about that struggle or about your choice to talk publicly mm-hmm. about it? Sure. Yes. Yeah. I let's see. So I shared a, a tidbit about how it started, just kind of after a lot of really hard things that happened, and you know, even just for anyone who's listening who's struggling. Um, it kind of came on as almost, I would call it like an intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. it like flashed by me. And I was like, that was weird. You know, I've never had a thought like that before in my life. And then they became more frequent. And then, you know, to where even a point where it was like, okay, is this something I need to genuinely entertain because this is happening more and more. And um, so that's kind of how it, how it started. And now it sort of feels like, a little bit of a shadow on me mm-hmm. on my shoulders that just kind of comes with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's been four years and I have largely, I have done very public ministry while struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you know, why did I choose to share? Um, it was, a I didn't share it for quite some time, but Emily and I, who, uh, I work at Risen Motherhood with. She's my sister-in-law, and co-founder, and one of my very best friends. Um, she and I talked quite a bit. I talked with um, just a, a pastor who's been really helpful to me too in this this area. And ultimately, um, I felt like I c- couldn't keep going. You know, it felt almost hypocritical mm-hmm. um, to not share. And I knew for me that I wanted to love God, mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to die loving God. Mm-hmm. And there have been times though, where there is nothing but the beauty of the gospel that has kept my faith. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that I want it to be true. 
there. I just want it to be because I'm like, there's nothing else that's more beautiful. There's nothing else that explains my life in this way. There's nothing else that makes any sense at all besides the God of the Bible being real. Mm. And so once I settled that in my heart, that I knew that at times there would be shifts there. My mind would feel like it's struggling, but ultimately at the core of myself, most days I believe. And when I don't, I want to. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be enough. And I think that, that once I got there, I felt like I could be more public about it. And it's, and it's been hard because sometimes when I talk about it, it becomes harder. And, um, and yet I, I feel like, like you said, I think, I think, God is using it to help people remain. Mm. And I believe we should be honest mm-hmm. um, about the hardships of faith. And I want people, I want people to be encouraged that if I can cling, then they can too. Amen. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here telling you it's still a fight. Yeah. And yet I know that like, I know it's what I want and I know there's no other way. It's weird. It's weird to know there's no other way and yet be like, but is it all true? I mean, <laughs> yeah. think about Eric, I mean yeah. seriously, like, how weird is it? Like, I'm like, sometimes we just as Christians need to admit this is the most bizarre story. Oh, it is. It is. If it's not true, it's the weirdest thing in the world. (laughs) You know how it all works together. And like, you know, like if you get the apologetics of it all, which I went through a whole year of like hardcore is what had was the canon made, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, it's gotta be true because this is so wild how it works together. I mean, even if you can't really get it at your core, you know, you know, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it is a bizarre it is a bizarre faith. We have, you know, sometimes we make fun of other religions like that's weird. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, totally. We start with, okay, so there's one God yes. and he eternally exists in three persons, the father, son, and the spirit. <laughs> oh, so they're each part of God. No, there's only one God. They're each fully God, but there's not three gods. And that's where we start. And then one of them becomes a human being and lives on earth. And it's, it's weird. And it is weird. And um, we, we should embrace that because it's, it's one of those things that, you know, how how Paul says, if we've only hoped in this life, only we're of all men most to be pitied. Like if Christianity is not true, it's a waste. Like it is a a total waste. And I, I, I love you admitting that that is so beautiful because you, you aren't alone. And like, even on this podcast, you're not alone because those are things I've struggled with myself. You know, I live with, uh, recurring depression and anxiety that is like that shadow you mentioned that kind of lives at the periphery. And sometimes it just inserts itself and it doesn't even make sense. Like one day I'm thriving in my faith and I'm like, why would I ever be discouraged ever? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. 20 minutes later, I wish I wasn't living. (laughs) And and I, and I don't, I don't get it. And And I've had those, you know, I've gone through those seasons of doubt too, just like you're describing, mm-hmm. where I, 
I, you know, I can be driving down the road or doing something and it's just like, it hits me and it like takes my breath away. Like I can't breathe in the moment. Like what if this isn't true? Right. And, and I, I usually walk myself through, um, well, like you said, the beauty of it, it's, it's, I, I, I cannot make sense of this world and my inclination towards morality and a sense of justice and all the things apart from this. And I've looked at all the others and this is the only one. And it doesn't just make sense. It's like, even when I'm doubting, I can't not believe it. (laughs) You you know, like it's not in my hands to believe it. Like, and you know that ultimately the Lord is, is keeping you, Yeah, you know, and as I look back, I'm just like, Lord, I've, I remember moments where I was like, all right, if I'm going to give this thing up, what's it going to mean? And it was like, my family, I'm raising little Christians. I am married to a Christians. Most of my friends are Christians. I am in Christian ministry. I mean, the repercussions of leaving the faith were astronomical for me. And yet I was like, well, do I need to just explore that and like see, because this is so all over me. And, and I'm so thankful because I didn't have to get to that point. I felt like the Lord brought me the right people at the right time. And a husband who was like, when I told him, he was like, okay. He, and he didn't even know what to say, but he was like, I love you. Mm-hmm. And that's how he responded. When I told him that I'm yeah. doubting everything we have built our lives on, he was like, I love you. And yeah. that response alone probably kept me from fully Because he was like, he just grabbed my hand in the car. He was like, and then later he said, we're going to make it. Like, whatever happens, we're going to make it. And so for my husband to not be totally shook, he was probably a little (laughs) shook, but he held it, was such a comfort to me in allowing me to walk through some of, hopefully, were the darkest days of doubt. And then I think you start to learn to live with it. And like, like you said, you're walking through some of those reasons. Okay. Like we've been through this, like, let's remember like why we believe what we believe and that we, we want to continue in this. And what's the alternative? Cause I think you, I think it's important to like view the alter, the alternative. The alternative is re- not only putting my life upside down, but it's also believing in nothing. Yeah, It's believing there's no life after this, that there's no real purpose, that there's no real morality. That sounds horrible. Yeah. And so that that I think walking down that at times with people who love you, mm-hmm. that's important piece. Not alone, not you know, without telling anybody, but walking through that and saying, is that really what I want on the other yeah. side? Because it's not very desirable when you start to look into it. Hi, friend. I don't know what brought you to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, but if I had to guess, it was probably your own pain story. In fact, maybe you recently found us in the work that we do because you're going through some kind of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition. Uh, Maybe you've recently gotten the phone call with the unexpected diagnosis, or you've lost a loved one, or found out about your spouse's sexual betrayal. Maybe your grief is extremely fresh and right now you're wondering what what do I even do how do I move forward what what am I supposed to do right now listen I've been there and we know how the early days after loss or receiving the diagnosis or getting that unexpected news or learning about a betrayal or whatever it is you're facing we know that life in those moments can be extremely disorienting and, and difficult it's hard to think about anything but how to survive from minute to minute in this uh, 
you know, I almost hate this term, but in this new normal, we want to help you as you enter into life, uh, that especially when it takes this different direction than what you've ever imagined. Now, we have a course called Pain to Purpose Course, and we know that it's so helpful for those who have had a, a handful of months to already process their pain, but we knew we needed something for those who have just found themselves in the middle of it, like their lives have just flipped upside down. And, and so we've created this new four-session mini course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. Now, in this course, you'll hear from me as well as our Nothing is Wasted podcast co-host, Aubrey Sampson, and our community director, Amy Sylvester. And we're going to be talking about practical ways to support yourself during this season. We'll talk about how to lament and, and what you need in order to take the first steps forward after your life is forever changed. Now, the sessions are intentionally concise because when you're processing trauma or grief, it can be very difficult to engage with a whole lot of information. But within these sessions, you'll get the encouragement to know you're not alone in, in what you're feeling, as well as some practical next steps on what to do in the aftermath of your pain. This isn't some theoretical idea on how to deal with what you're going through. It's real tried and true wisdom from others who have been where you are and have gone through cataclysmic shifts in their lives. I wish I would have had this kind of practical wisdom in the beginning of my own pain to purpose journey, but I'm so excited that we get to share this resource with you. It's the exact resources that I needed. And so in order to access this, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash everything changes. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash everything changes changes and you can purchase this course or better yet you can join community plus and nothing is slash community plus and you can access this in addition to all of our other resources behind our content library immediately look i'm so sorry for the pain that you're walking through and i want to encourage you that you can walk through this with hope and life it can have hope again even when everything changes I think we're both people who want to be consistent. I think yeah. we want to live out what we believe. And a lot of people who claim to believe nothing, that there is nothing, I, I think I think they're cheating because mm. they they're they go on about injustices. They go on about yeah. well, if there is a God, why does these terrible things happen? And I want to say, well, if there's no God, why do you think they're terrible? Like yeah. what makes them terrible if there's no God? And you know, I, I, uh, one of the things I've been thinking about as you, as you said that, um, like you said, even when I'm, even when I don't believe, like I, one of the lessons I've learned in, in wrestling with depression and in the midst of suffering is the value of lament, you know, mm -hmm. which is this, it's literally complaint where you're coming to God and saying, I know what your character's like, the world yeah. doesn't match it. And why not? You, you know, <laughs> I want some answers. Yeah. And at the end of it, most laments end with, nevertheless, yeah. I believe in you. And, and it's helped me and it's helped me in my counseling ministry to be able to say to people like, that is faith. Because lament, when you're saying that, you're saying, you know, God exists, you know what he's like, and you know, he's not inconsistent. And mm -hmm. you trust that. That's why you're asking the question because you trust that. And I, I, I love, um, is it Peter's line in one of the gospels when he says, I, we believe help our unbelief, mm. like struggling with unbelief is an act of faith. I think yeah. 
um, especially when we're saying, I, I don't know if I can believe, but help me believe like, who are you asking? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I think those are some of the most powerful four words any Christian can say. Mm. And I think that like, that is where, I'm so grateful for our faith because you, again, you look at other religions and you're not allowed to say that to their gods, yeah. you know, like it's just figure it out, you know, believe yeah. in me. And to our God, we can come and be really honest. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's, it's a heart posture. We don't want to come in an arrogant, angry way, yeah. but if we come in humility and we come asking authentic, true questions, um, I, I can, I'm so thankful. I can tell our God that they're like, yeah. Hey, Hey, Lord, I'm struggling today and help me believe. And sometimes he answers that. And sometimes it takes time, yeah. you know, and sometimes it comes through the word of a friend later or one of the words of my child or something where I know like, okay, the Lord sees my pain. It doesn't happen always instantly, yep. but I, I think that I, I appreciate remembering that the Lord always wants to treat me kindly. Yeah. And so often you can kind of get afraid to even tell God that, I'm struggling to believe in you or I'm struggling yeah. that I'm angry with you. And, you know, so much of our lives, like you need to talk it out with God. You know, yeah. you need to tell yeah. him. And so we, we have to be honest and I'm thankful that, um, yeah, God is not afraid of our questions yeah. and our sadness or even our righteous anger. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not afraid of our unrighteous anger either. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know? yeah. And I love that what you just said about how he wants to treat us kindly. Cause I think about Tom, uh, Thomas, you know, in the gospels oh, where God. Jesus shows up, the other disciples see him and Thomas is like, I can't believe right. that unless I get to touch him. And the next yeah. time Jesus shows up, he's like, Thomas, touch me. Like, I know what you need to believe in this moment. Yeah. And I'm going to meet you with that. And that's just how Jesus is with us. And so you just said, um, we should be able to talk to God about those things. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about your book, Anytime, Any Place, Any Prayer, a true story of how you can talk with God. Tell me about the book, why you wrote it. And I guess you've already made the point, like that's true, even Mm -hmm. when we doubt. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but tell me about the book. Tell us about the okay. book. Well, first of all, you're a master at weaving all my books in. I'm impressed with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, anytime we place any prayer, it's a true story of how you can talk with God. And it's my first kid's book. And, you know, that was a book, I'll be honest, Eric, was not necessarily like this. Mm, I really, you know, I feel like an expert on prayer or I, I need to share all this. Or it was so many women at Risen Motherhood, that ministry, um, the nonprofit, had just asked, how do I teach my kids about prayer? Mm-hmm. And it came out of just knowing one of their felt needs and feeling like, hey, I think I think a kid's book could really help. Mm-hmm. And it was such a fun book to write because we start in the garden um, with God creating Adam and Eve. And what when I knew I wanted to write this book was when I realized they were praying. Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden. If prayer is talking with God, yep. we were praying constantly as they walked with him in the cool of the day. And then get over this. This will make your brain explode. Then people prayed to God face to face again when Jesus walked the earth. Yeah. So mm. every time people interacted and talked with God and shared their heart, prayer, prayer was happening. Then you have in heaven eternally someday 
we're kind of going to be praying. And when I saw those kind of checkpoints throughout scripture, I was like, oh, that is so cool. So that's what I kind of wanted to show throughout the book is that there are these, there have been long seasons where people have not been able to talk with God face to face because of our sin, Mm. but then Jesus making a way. And when he came, it was like, even before he died on the cross, people could still pray to mm-hmm. God. It was just, it's kind of wild to look at just his presence alone. Yeah. And, and he, and so I think that that was what I really wanted to, to teach children of just, Hey, look, you come from a long generation of prayers. You come from thousands and thousands, millions of prayers have been prayed before you. And hmm. you, are, you are joining up in this big vision of being able to talk with your God. What a privilege. Hmm. And so that that's the heartbeat of the book, but it really tells kids, you know, hey, you can pray anytime, you can play any place, anywhere, with anyone, mm. and um, just gives them confidence to p- approach the throne and feel like, I guess, remembering as you noted, um, God loves that. God is yeah. God is excited to meet with us, and He's kind to us. Yeah, that's beautiful, um, and I. I I just love that imagery of we get in prayer, we get to talk to God face to face, you know, and if Christ has told us like, I'm with you always, like not praying is like walking on a journey with somebody that you don't talk to, (laughs) you know, like why would I ignore them? He's right here. And that's something I've had to learn to get over is like this idea of I need to be in a special place in a special posture at a special time during the day to pray. And now I'm like, okay, Jesus, we're in the car together and I've got some stuff we need to talk about. (laughs) Honestly, okay, going back to doubt, when I was struggling with doubt, one of my hardest things was stopping praying because my inner monologue is directed toward God. I was raised as a believer. I've never known a day without Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. So my monologue sounds a lot and is a lot like prayer. And I remember when I was walking through doubt, I was like, I can't even stop talking to this guy that I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it was so, I I look back and think, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't make that easy for me. You know, thank Mm. you that everything that I talked about in my head, all those craziness that like, I was still communing with you. Yeah. I do love Jesus. And I I don't want to leave this podcast either sounding like I don't love God because I love him. Oh, yeah. Every part of my soul. And, you know, I know, I know people know that, but I feel like I want to just reiterate. It's very clear. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I want to explore just a little bit with the time that we have left, um, what marriages look like throughout Mm -hmm. this whole season. And I I loved what you said about how, when you first told Mike about your doubts, he's took your hand, you know, he's like, I love you. And we're going to get through this. Um, God often gives us the spouses that we need. I, I remember a long, dark season in my life, you know, where I'm preaching and I, anytime I got in the pulpit, I believed entirely what I'm preaching, like, and was able to preach it full of faith. But it was a long season where I was very, very depressed. And I don't remember what I was saying. It, 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 but at some point, <laughs> Jenny says to me, she says, sometimes I wonder if you actually believe the stuff you're mm-hmm. preaching. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, but it was, it was tough words that I needed in a moment to go, mm-hmm. I need to address this yeah. um, because there's an incongruity there. And like I said, it hasn't gone away, but mm-hmm. um, it's made me ask the question, why so downcast all my soul, you know, mm-hmm. uh, many times. But what, what is, and every relationship's unique because 
we all need unique things and we're unique people. But what what's it been like for you and Mike? What are the helpful things that have you've discovered walking through all these different seasons together? Mm, yeah, Mike is my total opposite. I mean, just in every way that I am fast and loud and quick and, you know, opinionated and all the things he is steady and calm and peaceful and humble. And it's just, it's a marriage of contrast for sure. And I know that's like many marriages. Um, but I think what I have been really thankful for with him is that I have seen, I remember, I remember when we were getting engaged and, you know, I'm, I'm talking with my dad about, you know, is this guy the right guy for me? He is, you know, I'm telling dad, he is the guy for me. And Eric, you know, our story, our story is a little bit messy when we got engaged, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, that being said, we were, we're getting closer. And I remember my dad saying, you know, I was kind of saying a couple of things, maybe where he, I felt like maybe my, my, Mike, my husband was not there yet or measuring up to what I wanted him to be. You know, things like, can he change the oil in my car? Silly, silly things. That being said, my dad said, Laura, Mike is so teachable. And that is one of the best things a person can be, especially at 23. Yeah. And that was really helpful for me because what my dad was really saying is that, you know, he's willing to learn, he's willing to grow and he's willing to change. Mm. And I think that that has been this, just the continual tenor of Mike's life where I am a go-getter and I'm just, I'm a lot. I know it. <laughs> and yet he is down and game for whatever. And he is mm. willing to figure out stuff with me and he may not be driving the train, but he is like, honey, I'm getting on and we're going to figure it out together and I'm willing to go with you. And especially in a complementarian marriage, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit unnerving for yeah. people. Um, and even for myself, as I learned and grew to understand what, what does it look like? Um, again, a whole other podcast probably, but I have been most thankful. And I think that it's something that I have tried to model back because I've learned it from my husband mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. be humble and to be teachable and to be someone that's willing to listen first and to say, okay, I see you moving in this direction, especially in marriage, right? You have one person moving in a direction, not a bad direction, not maybe even a good direction, but just a direction, yeah. neutral. And just, but being willing to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come alongside you and keep up with you. Um, I think that has really helped strengthen our marriage mm -hmm. and feel like we're a team because our wins are together and our losses are together. We sit mm -hmm. on the same side of the table. Um, that's been, that's been a gift to me, mm -hmm. especially in this last <laughs> bigger season we've had in the past five or six years. Yeah. So I, I normally like to end with the question of like, there's someone out there facing this situation, what would you have to say to them? But I feel like we've talked about so many different topics. I don't know <laughs> yeah. which one to pick. Um, let's go with a parent who's just gotten the diagnosis that their child has a disability. It's rocked their world. Um, what do you have to say to them at that moment? Yeah. Well, I would probably sit next to them and I would cry with them. And I would, for a bit, just know that it's okay to say nothing and that it's okay to sit in the hard. Mm. And I would want them to know that they should cry too and that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be confused. Um, 
all of those emotions are perfectly fine and that they can tell God those things like Mm. we talked about and Mm. that he's not afraid of them, that he loves them Mm. and that he loves their child, even if it kind of doesn't feel like it right now. And then I suppose I'd, I'd want her to know most importantly that heaven is real Mm. and it's coming for her Mm. and that that parent someday will see their child have full healing and Mm. that they are going to dance before the throne of the Lord. And there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more doctor's appointments, no more geneticists, no more tests and MRIs and scans and whatever else they're going through. No Mm. adaptive equipment. That's all long gone. Mm. And that the hope of heaven with that coming for her, I think that that can give them hope today that Mm. it's going to be okay. That, 20, 30, 60, 80 years, whatever they have on this life, that they're going to make it, that God's going to sustain them. He's going to give them everything they need every step of the way of the diagnosis of the disability. And it will be hard, but it will not be without help and hope from the Lord. And it's going to get better. Mm. The, the, The wound scabs over. It doesn't hurt so bad. And you're not bleeding out so bad. And day by day, it will get better. Um, but it will always, it'll always be there and that's okay. Mm. until heaven. Mm. So I would just want them to understand that, that scope. I think that it's, it's hard today and it will always be hard, Mm. but someday they'll be healing. Mm. Well, thank you, Laura. Thanks for, thanks for being you. And uh, thanks for sharing yourself with our listeners. Where can, where can they find you online? Yeah, I think the main home I have is laurawiffler.com. And I mostly hang out on Instagram. Be warned, it's poetry in the feed. And then in the stories, it's whatever's going on with me <laughs> that day. I'm not, um, I love social media. I love marketing. I do that for other brands and businesses, but um, all bets are off on my personal platform. So come <laughs> on over there. And then obviously, I spend a lot of time at risenmotherhood.com. So if you're a mom, we definitely would love to see you over there. Mm. We didn't even get into your poetry. That's something I wanted to talk about, but that maybe that's another episode. So Laura, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I mean, every... Every conversation we have, I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Like these people and their bravery and their vulnerability and their faith is so, so, so encouraging. I got a text message from a friend just today who was like, man, these podcast episodes have just been incredible. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it really, I really am amazed when I hear people's stories. Like, wow, there's so many faithful people out there and so many people wrestling through so much pain. I know. And at the same time, I mean, seeing God show up <laughs> oh, go in people's stories. Uh, okay. I mean, this is a joke. I want everyone to know. I mean, this is a joke, but everyone's I'm like, am I a Christian? Like when mm-hmm. I hear their stories, cause mm-hmm. they're just such faithful people walking through such, but ultimately we know it's God's grace on their lives. Right. It's God's faithfulness, sustaining right. all of us through these hardships. And anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm so encouraged. So good. I'm so encouraged I, I think Laura. it's important to remember that. Aubrey, because there are people who will come up to me. I know people who have said the same to you. People, We would say this about people we're listening to their stories on the podcast. We'd say, I don't know how you've walked through this. I yeah. can't imagine. I wouldn't be able to walk through it the same way you have. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> and I always stop people and say, do you have the Holy Spirit? Because mm. if you have the Holy Spirit, 
you have everything that you need to walk through whatever comes it's into your life. Great response. It doesn't, That's right. So you don't have to try to figure out how do you how are you going to walk through my yep. pain. You just yep. have to know that God's going to be faithful to show up. The Holy Spirit is going to minister mm. to you through your pain, whatever mm. oh. whatever pain He is. I hate I hate this, but whatever pain He has stewarded to you, mm-hmm. He's faithful to to carry you through that. He absolutely is. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I like that response. I'm going to start using that. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Mm-hmm. I like that. No, yeah. it's really good. It's interesting. One of the things that Laura talked about is kind of what we're talking about here. And again, I was kind of saying it as a joke. Am I a Christian? But the the concept of doubt yeah. in the midst of faith, in the midst of pain. I mean, you know, let's just put it on the table. Like, I don't know that there is faith without doubt. That's exactly like, I right. just, right? Because that's ultimately it's what faith is. It's not necessarily certainty. It's like choosing this wild thing or God's grace, at least allowing you to choose this wild thing called faith. And it can't happen without doubt. It just absolutely can't. That's right. That's right. It's almost like, um, maybe this isn't quite an apples, you know, apples to apples comparison, but it's almost like when people kind of pit evil and the goodness of God together, Mm. St. Augustine would talk about how evil exists because evil is the absence of good. Mm. Mm. And so it's almost like the two actually can't ex- can't exist separately or isolated. Yeah. You know? Like evil yeah. exists because yeah. there is the goodness of God, because there's the mm. perfect goodness of God. That's why evil exists. Mm. And so the same thing is true because there is a thing called faith, <laughs> <laughs> doubt is going to exist, you know? Yes. It's, yeah, that's, that's good. That's what it, you know, we can't, it's not, yeah. we're, we're not putting, pitting these two things against each other. So well, right. doubt is evidence of the fact that you don't have faith. No, it's mm. evidence of the fact that you wrestle. Yeah, it's part of it. And you're as choosing part of the journey. faith in that. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's where we want to always encourage you that you should take your doubts to the Lord. Yes. And wrestle with the Lord yeah. in those things. Because right now what is happening is so many people, whether they've experienced something that doesn't align with the God that they've constructed, mm-hmm. right? They've created God in their own image rather mm-hmm. than recognizing that we're created in God's image. So they've constructed a God that's like a vending machine God or everything's supposed yep. to make sense or everything's supposed to be- Santa Claus God. Understandable yep. <laughs> within our own finite minds. And if we can't understand yeah. it, then we- then now we we have to walk away from God that it totally mm-hmm. invalidates even the existence of God. And so there's so much yeah. deconstruction that is happening that is yeah. revolting and people walking away from the church because of hurts or woundings or experiences. Totally, Davey. And, and I'm constantly wanting to encourage people, take those doubts to God. To the Lord. Like God wants that. God welcomes that. The entire book of the Bible is people taking their doubts to God. And I think that's like, that's part of, what it means to contend for your faith, yeah. right? Is that you're like almost every moment of every day, you're, you're faced with a story and those stories are maybe rejection, abandonment. God isn't real. God isn't good. These things I thought about God, like you said, I built God in an image and that image is crumbling. And so that must mean God's not real. My dreams didn't come true. So yep. God's not real. Like, or the story of wait, God is good. God is sovereign. God is in control. God has good for me and favor for me and blessing for me in spite of the circumstances I can see with my natural eyes. We're faced with these stories almost every moment of our day. And like to be a person of faith is even in the midst of doubt, choose 
the faith story. Right. Choose the good story. Choose the God story. And of course, we do that like with the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, mm. help me choose your better story. Right. We do that in the power of community. God, give me people around me who are choosing your better story so I can walk with them. But I do think like this kind of wrestling and contending through yeah. doubt to faith is Oh, so much of just what it actually means to be a Christian. Yes, it is so true. It is so true. And I think that um, we, we, what Paul says, work out your salvation mm, with fear. Yeah. And mm. Like, what does that mean? You know, of yeah. course, salvation's only from the Lord. And mm-hmm. yet, the Apostle Paul is saying, we've got to work it out. And I think that's what it, that's what it's, I think about like kneading dough, you know, like you're working out some of the things that is going to inhibit the dough from rising properly. And it's like your faith needs to be needed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, your that's good. It needs to be needed so that it can continue that's to good. rise properly as it gets baked. And so, but good, we do this like through a restaurant. I just pulled that off the top of my head. Like that, that was- I'm, I'm using that. I'm going to steal that in a, sem- in a message too. I mean, That's good. I might do that too, because I'm learning right now. <laughs> doing, we, I'm learning sourdough bread, right? Like Christy's teaching me how to make sourdough bread. We make our own Look sourdough breads with starters and stuff. And so like I had to knead it the other day and we make yeah. sourdough pizzas and I'm having to work the dough and stuff. And I, that just came off the... T- Holy Spirit, thank you. That was Thank good, you. Right off, off my head. Oh, really good. We're working, really it good. Out. we're working those doubts out. That's we're working right. with, and it actually mm. takes it stirring some of that, needing some of that. It takes some muscle. It takes some elbow. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it does. And so I, this, that's the whole point. If you hear nothing else, hear that God is faithful and mm. he is not intimidated by our really difficult questions. He's mm. welcoming them. He's inviting us. And he, listen, John Bevere said this this weekend at a um, revival uh, that I was speaking at. He was speaking at one of the nights. He said that the fear of the Lord, and there's a, and I, I mean, I wish off the top of my head I could remember the verse he cited for this, but the fear of the Lord leads to an understanding of the mysteries of God. Mm. And so that, like, when you and I fear mm. the Lord, and he has this whole book called, you know, The Awe of God, where he talks about what yeah. the fear of the Lord is. We don't have time to go into all of that right now, but when we fear the Lord, when we truly have a fear of the Lord, which would elicit us to take our difficult questions to God. Mm-hmm. then he reveals to us mysteries of his character. That's it's so like true. inside secrets that nobody else gets insight into. So true. Yeah. So I, that's that's the beauty of taking it's it to the Lord because he'll he's going to give you something, not that's like outside of the truth of scripture, but a, right. a revelation, right. a special revelation that's like, that was for me. That's not yeah. for anybody else. That was for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. anyways. Oh, so good. Mm. So good. Well, thank you, Laura, for your incredible faithfulness. Thank you for this conversation. Hey, we want to invite you one more time to join us at nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Yeah. We do a live Zoom call called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story. And if you're someone who's doing that needing work on your mm. faith, we would love to have you there. Again, it's nothingiswasted.com slash start here. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can listen, stream, download his music wherever it is you do that. We'd love to invite you to engage with us on social media. We are at Nothing is Wasted Ministries. We are at Davey Blackburn and at Bob Samp. You can also find Eric Shoemaker at EM Shoemaker. And we also want to invite you to review, like, subscribe, podcast, YouTube, all of the places where you engage with this content. That helps other people find these powerful stories of the ways God is at work in people's lives. That's right. Next week, Aubrey, get this. We have a conversation. I get to have a conversation with one of my heroes. (gasps) Oh, really? 
Yes. Me? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Aubrey. Just <laughs> on the Wait, that's too. right. <laughs> you are on the schedule too. We could have a conversation soon <laughs> with Aubrey and talk to her on the Nothing Twisted I, podcast that, about that. Was the joke. That was but joke. that was funny. That was really good. I set you up. Thank for you. This Thank is you. with none other than the Philip Yancey. Oh, I love Philip Yancey. It oh, he's so wise amazing. and artistic and thoughtful. I cannot wait for that one. I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. It was oh. incredible. So go ahead mm. and take a listen to a little clip from my conversation with Philip Yancey. If you want to know how God feels about this world, just follow Jesus around. Jesus didn't say, well, it's a tough world, get used to it. Wherever there was pain, he, he did something about it. Now, he didn't heal everybody in the world. He was only dealing with a small group of people in, in one little corner of the Roman Empire. But he, he gave a clue, and then he told us to pray that, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's that's a tough prayer. That's a that's a hard prayer, and, and we're not going to be able to do that on our own. It's going to take more interventions by God. But we are to be the representatives of comfort and and uh, healing. Uh, in in Second Corinthians one, Paul is so clear. He talks about the God of all comfort and the Father of compassion, and he says the comfort that you have received. Your job is to take that comfort and spread it abroad. Because Jesus didn't stick around very long. He left. But he left He left us. He left the church behind. And we are to be followers of Jesus who let the world know what God is really like. 